Hi, I'm Rachel England, and this is Brain Yapping, Battle Damaged, a podcast where me and my friend and renowned neuroscientist Dean Burnett discuss all matters mental health, because 2020 really did its best to kick the crap out of ours. Hey Rachel, how are you? Hi Dean, uh, I'm <laughs> alright, thank you. You're physically well, but beyond that. <laughs> um, yeah, so this week has been just like the usual maladies of freelancing. Uh, mm. You know, a lot of people just sort of not really being able to tell their ass from their elbow, but that's just regular life, right? Yeah. Uh, today's, um, well, I didn't think that was going to happen <laughs> from the moment I woke up, was hmm. uh, got an email from the Pottery Studio. I don't know if... Uh, if our audience knows this, and I mean, why would they? But I am an amateur potter. Um, <laughs> please don't look it up because I'm really bad, <laughs> as evidenced by the story I'm about to tell you. Uh, got an email from the studio informing me that a bowl I've been working on for hours and hours, a lovingly created bowl, um, had managed to run, the glaze on it had run, and stuck to the kiln shelf. So the issue here is is twofold one my bowl has to be smashed to get it off <laughs> so that was a huge waste of my time and two i now owe the studio a new kiln shelf to the tune of 90 pounds so wow i mean <laughs> i i might as well have just spent seven or eight hours just systematically setting fire to five pound notes <laughs> yeah i mean yeah you'd end up in the same place wouldn't you um, well exactly yeah exactly, yeah. exactly but with a slightly less infuriated pottery studio i suppose well yeah and that's the other thing of course so not only have i lost my beloved bowl and i'm down 90 quid but you know that i feel bad for the studio because i know that's just a whole mess of crap that they've got to deal with now and it's my fault well i guess so but if you're going to teach people how to do things you surely have to accept the, the inevitability that some people will do them in unhelpful or incorrect ways <laughs> so badly isn't, isn't that just part of how education works isn't it <laughs> Yes, I know. As, yeah. But here we are. It's my own fault for choosing such an expensive hobby, I suppose. <laughs> Again, it's one of those things you said, like, no, I didn't expect this to happen today. Until this conversation, I wasn't aware this was a thing that could happen, let alone expect it. So, right. Well, there we go. See, a teachable yeah. moment for everyone. That's that's some free yeah. information for our listeners there. Careful don't, of the glaze you put on your Don't overglaze <laughs> your stuff unless you've just got lots of money to spaff out on these shelves. And that's oh. not a euphemism for anything. That is literally... No, the, that's uh... facts. Those are just <laughs> pottery facts. <laughs> so well, that's, that's, um, that's unfortunate. I didn't... Yeah, that's... Again, I, I feel better for learning something, but... Uh, yeah. Well, I'm, hey, I'm do you sorry. know what? I mean, if, if one good thing has come out of this absolute shit show, then hey, it's it's been worth it. Well, I, I guess it's always trying to put a positive spin on things, isn't it? Um, Silver lining. Yeah. How, I how have, are you anyway? I have little to report because we are still, as mentioned, in lockdown and don't go anywhere or do anything. It's. Um, do you know? It's interesting. Yeah. I was thinking earlier, like when I got this email about this stupid bloody bowl. I was thinking like, okay, I feel unreasonably upset by this. Like it's, it is, like I said, if you, if you have this hobby, it's something that can happen and probably happens to most people when they're starting out. So we shouldn't feel as unreasonably gutted as I do. And then I was thinking it's, it must be, you know, a side effect of lockdown is that just like regular stuff that's just a bit of a bummer just feels so much worse you know oh absolutely it's like the background level of stress is just you know 
doubled what it would normally be because you know, I've said this in other episodes of you know, we can't do anything to make ourselves feel better. So the mind, the few things we can take on a much more, uh, far more outsized importance in our lives and therefore mm. anything which does go wrong on top of the fact that we're in a pandemic, it just feels a lot more impactful as a result. So... Yeah, I mean, it, makes it, just feels, sense. it feels especially cruel as well, since pottery is just one thing that I'm doing to try and keep myself occupied. <laughs> yeah, and look, I'm like, hey, OK, lockdown sucks, but there's more time to do pottery and I'm creating and that's good for my soul. And then today it's like, ah, oh, bitch, you thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and also like, when you say pottery, I assume like you're playing with clay, not clay, you know, you make stuff with clay. It's perfectly, of, of all the pastimes, I thought, well, surely you can't, cause any problems with pottery apart from getting some wow. maybe, maybe getting your clothes dirty but it turns Hold out no it's, it's a minefield <laughs> yes <laughs> wow uh, anyway <laughs> anyway so today we're going to talk about um well we, we got an email didn't we from mm. from a chap who works in a dental uh practice and he posed an interesting question which is how people are approaching healthcare during the pandemic People that have, you know, regular checkups that they need to attend, like this chap suggested, you know, people need to go and get their teeth looked at regularly. Um, or perhaps seeing their GP for regular prescription updates, that sort of thing. Just general healthcare maintenance and how the pandemic's actually affected people's approach to that. And I hadn't given it a lot of thought, actually, but after, after reading this query, I realised that there have been... For me, a couple of areas that I have not neglected, but have gone, have thought, ah, it's fine, it can wait. Whereas, had this not been during a pandemic, it would be certainly things that I would take action on. So I'm, I guess I'm, I'm interested to, to sort of explore the idea that people are, yeah, put, putting their health on the back burner. Yeah. At a time when everyone's already thinking about health, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, when I read the query, I thought, well, when you think about it, it makes perfect sense when you've had you know, a, a nationwide government campaign telling you, stay home, protect mm. the NHS, constant news coming to the NHS is overwhelmed. And you know, if you act in the assumption that the majority of people are considerate and nice, which does seem to be the case, it's just the the vocal arseholes, which ruin it for everyone. But if you assume that everyone is, you know, will take that on board, and then you will get a lot of people saying, well, I would like to have this particular issue I've got sorted out, but it's a pandemic. The NHS is busy right now. Doctors and nurses are in short supply and high demand. I'll just tough it out. And that makes sense. So I, given the context we're in, that's a perfectly logical reaction, mm. but it's not necessarily a helpful one. And I guess like it's one of those consequences of a well-meaning campaign that I didn't really see coming. Is Of course, yeah, when you tell people, stay home, protect the NHS, you know, in the context, you think that just means COVID, but it doesn't. It means people can take it to mean anything, like any issue, any malady you have, mm. then you're going to sort of think, well, I'll be, I'll be all right, I'm sure. And that's not necessarily the best approach. So, like, yeah. Well, I mean, the, the, the one issue that I've had in particular was at this time last year, it was, I think, I was just, just before all of the shit really hit the fan. Uh, I was in hospital for a laparoscopy because I have mm. endometriosis. And I was wheeled in and got bits of me cut out lovely <laughs> and uh, then I was due to have a follow-up appointment in June where I would speak to my consultant and they would show me the pictures of my insides gross and we could discuss a treatment plan going forward 
obviously come June, you know, it was like the last days of Rome. And so <laughs> all of these appointments were cancelled. And it is constantly in the back of my mind, I, I need to follow up on this, I need to follow up on this, especially since it's so difficult for women to get proper endometriosis care anyway. Mm. Like, I, it's really important, I feel like, that I keep my, you know, keep the pressure on. But at the same time, I'm very aware that in the grand scheme of things, my my case is just, n it doesn't take precedent in any way, shape or form. And yet, at the flip side, if I don't pursue it, then I and many other women in my position are going to end up falling through the cracks. And that will have long-term implications, for sure. Absolutely. And especially when it comes to, um, you know, that's one issue that... Uh, People like some people can't avoid going to hospital like you know cancer patients have still been mm. going um people have been you know, having babies and stuff those those things don't wait those aren't you, know, you can't just like take some paracetamol and tough it out these are mm. actual problems which people have got and i guess i think you, you you know i was taken in by it the whole protect the nhs thing uh, it sort of conjured up the idea that all the medical people in this country or in the world over all of them were suddenly fighting covid like they were taking mm. care of covid and I mean, they weren't. A lot of, the, I'd say, the majority of doctors aren't qualified to do anything about COVID. You know, if you go, if, you, if you're a, if you're, a, um, you know, a gynecologist, for example, you, not really a lot you can do with uh, COVID nineteen. It's not really your area, um, mm. unless, of course, there are side effects of it. I have been wildly misinformed about, but um, but it is, you know, it's so sort of like you know, a lot of doctors are and medical staff were just like, well, we're still here, we're still not, you know, like 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 the guy emailed a dentist, like dentists aren't really anything to do with COVID, mm. and there can be, like you said, there are some ways of recognizing other signs, like people like spot early stages of oral cancer during dental appointments. So it's a really complex field, isn't it? Like all the medicine, medical stuff intersects with each other in many different ways, and that's something I I hadn't really taken into account. Um, so sort of the idea that if you go to this appointment that you have for this completely unrelated disorder you are somehow you know straining the nhs mm. but in many ways you're probably not isn't like they just well we're still here we got to do these extra um you know this extra these extra precautions these extra administrative steps to protect everyone but we're still doing our jobs like my wife is going to work doing is going to work with the pandemic she's an optometrist who works in a hospital people still have bad eyesight regardless of the pandemic so she needs still needs to do her job especially for the vulnerable people but yeah, like it's the idea that um, you know, if you you have to avoid dealing with a medical problem which is completely disconnected from COVID, and that's not helpful. I think it's particularly pertinent with mental health stuff because already you know that's a big struggle to for a lot of people to even seek out help in the first place. Mm -hmm. So what help is available is very limited and very very much in high demand. And I think I've mentioned this in a different thing recently. I can't remember what it was, but. You know, the, the statistic that one in four people have a mental health disorder, I think that is exaggerated. I think there's you know, a lot of contention as to whether, how accurate that is. But it's still a lot of people, even if it's only half that. That's loads and loads of people. But that suggests, you know, if, if one quarter of the population has a mental health problem, that means most of the people with it are just enduring it, are just powering through because, there's, you know, hospitals aren't seeing a quarter of the population for mental health care at any, any one point. That's, that's ridiculous, you know, given what we've got available. So clearly people are already inclined to just go, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll just tough it out. And anything which makes that tendency more prevalent, makes it more, more common, isn't something which is really helpful. So, mm. yeah, I think there doesn't need to be something said about, yes, you, you know, we know we say protect the NHS, but also protect yourself. You don't, you don't have to sort of put yourself on the, you know, compromise your own health to do that. And that's, it's a tricky balance to strike, I think. 
Yes, agree. And especially what you've said about mental health, uh, the mental health aspect of it. So I think of my own experience, I'm on antidepressants. And really, best practice is that you have a regular review on those medications, right, to see how they're working for you. You know, does your dosage need to be changed? Are you having any side effects and so on? Because as well, as well, you know, um, <laughs> antidepressants aren't, you know, they're, they're not like a, a magic bullet cure. And at uh, any given point during your journey with them, things can change, you know. It's not like, oh, this one works for me, it's going to work forever. You know, it's it's liable to fluctuate here and there. So I've been on fluoxetine now for a few years, on and off. And I am mindful of the fact that I have not had a consultation with a GP regarding my prescription for 18 months. Mm. The I was probably due one around this time last year. Um, and again, everything was just kind of like, had gone a bit chaotic. And um, <clears throat> my surgery operates a, an online prescription request system. So it was easy enough for me to just log on every month when I needed more, click a button, go to the pharmacy, pick it up, fine. And then because you only have a limited number of repeats available to you when I ran out, I rang the surgery and, and explained, I've got no more repeats of my prescription. Can you sort that out? They spoke to a doctor and they just ticked a box and it was done. I didn't even speak to anybody. Now, I'm not saying that this is uh, indicative of all GP surgeries or all practices, but certainly mm. at a time when, you know, things are high stress, I can see why it would be much easier for them to go, yeah, that seems fine. Just let her have the pills, you know? And certainly for me, who is very mindful of how I feel when I take them and I've you know been living with this condition long enough to sort of see the warning signs of things going south, it's worked fine for me because it's, mean, it's meant that I've not had to muck about making appointments or having consultations or whatever. But the issue is I am not indicative of everybody that's taking <laughs> antidepressants. Yeah. And so there will be people for whom this extra obstacle is going to be very um very consequential and i think about the simple act of me ringing up the doctors and saying look i've run out of online prescription repeats can you fix that for some people that is a huge obstacle making absolutely a yeah. and asking for that and for some people it's such a big obstacle that they just simply won't do it and that could mean they end up going cold turkey on their meds and the consequences of that are very significant. Um, and again, I mean, that's that's not the case specifically for mental health, people that take repeat prescriptions for all kinds of ailments. But certainly when it comes to mental health, going cold turkey on medication is problematic. Yeah, it's not advised by any stretch of the imagination, no. No. <clears throat> and, but then on the on flip side, I, you know, I've just been merrily clicking a, bu clicking a button, getting the pills, and it's fine. But that now means that, like I said, I've been on these on this medication for 18 months without any medical review of it. And again, like I said, I, I feel like I'm quite mindful of how I go on them and that's all right. But for some people that could be consequential as well. So <laughs> what's the solution here? What, <laughs> what do we do? Like how, how are people supposed to navigate this? When, as you say, we have this constant background klaxon of protect the nhs protect the nhs 
And so many people are going, cool, okay, in my mind, protecting NHS means just avoiding it entirely to the detriment of my own health. And then down the road, probably to the NHS when COVID eventually dissipates and there's a huge influx and backlog of cases and patients that need to be dealt with. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> what's the solution there? I mean, it's even two years ago, if you told me I'd be having a discussion now about someone saying, the thing is, I get too, I got too much access to my medication and they're too trusting and they give it to me too readily. And they're like, that would have never occurred to me as a possibility. So it's strange right, what, exactly. this, what, what this world has done to us all of a sudden. Like, okay, so now we're on this side of it, are we? That's that's new, okay. But it, it's a valid point, you know, when you take the medication long term, you do need tweaks. You know, people aren't static. The brain constantly changes. You, you know, Your body changes, your physiology, your health goes up and down and, you know, the internal composition of your body changes with time, environment, diet, all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, you, you know, these things should be kept an eye on. And I guess if this was the long-term setup now, as in, okay, you've got these meds, those are your meds now, enjoy, and then <laughs> never speak to us again unless you've <laughs> broken your leg or something. And then, yeah, that would be a definitely a very bad bad setup. But mm. I guess I think, you know, sort of trying to keep in mind that this is all temporary, or this is all meant to be, <clears throat> this is what we can do right now, we'll get mm. back to it later. But yeah, we, we, you know, I think this just reflects that we, we do need a much better funded and resourced healthcare system. I mean, we, what we've got is, you know, on paper, objectively, in my most experience, really good. We have one of the world's best healthcare systems. The NHS is a great, great thing. But particularly when it comes to mental healthcare, this it could be so much better and arguably should be, given that we know all these problems exist and dealing with them is not a simple box ticking exercise. Yeah, you know, I think I've read, read several papers now where people refer into once this pandemic is quote unquote over. I mean, there's no cutoff point, I suppose. It's always a thing which can keep going. But um, mm. but you know, they're expecting a second pandemic of mental health problems because of all the things you mentioned. You know, like it's even if it is temporary, two years or thereabouts of people you no know, not having access to family, to friends, to resources of avoiding all medical healthcare and interventions, of just being isolated and you know, in a constant high-stress environment, that will have serious effects on people's mental health. And although it's, you know, protect the NHS, I think the sooner we can start dealing with that, the better. So if there was a system in place for you to go and say, look, I've got this problem, can I get some help with this? And people could say yes and do it, then that would be more helpful in the long term. Mm. It's just a question of, how do we do that? What what makes what, what can make that happen when we're already under such stress and pressure? And uh, I don't have an answer for that. I'll got to be honest. And I think that's a reasonable thing for me to say because I don't know. <laughs> well, I think I mean you said that. Sorry, I lost my train of thought there. You <laughs> said that a lot of it, you know, would be great. We could turn things around if there was a um, like a system in place. But actually. Um, a lot of it would depend on people being willing to use the system. You, you mm. sort of, you mentioned, you know, like Joe Bloggs going along, hey, I need this, can you help me? And then the system being there able to help. I mean, that's the utopia, isn't it? But yeah. in many cases, and especially with mental health issues, you know, Joe Bloggs is, I think, less likely to stand up and ask for help in the first place. And again, now we have the protect the NHS narrative. I think people that would even that would have been more inclined to actually be happy to stand up and ask for help are less inclined to do so. So those that are less inclined in the first place will almost certainly not, mm. if that makes sense. 
Totally, yeah. I can, so I can definitely see this like leading to more mental health stigma too. It's like you say, it's already such a massive uphill struggle for so many people to even say, I need help. Is there mm. help to be had? Um, oftentimes there is, but the help that's available is not what you want. It's not particularly helpful. It's you know, kind of limited. It's a long waiting period. So even when someone goes to the effort of actually asking for help or seeking out help, then the options are not ideal most of the time. But yeah, I can definitely see a situation where <clears throat> some say, well, I'm, I'm, I've been to the doctor. Why? Oh, depression. Oh, do you know there's a pandemic on? You know, I can definitely well, that's see, it, isn't it? Yeah, it's, been more stigma the, as a result. The judgment, and I remember this, at the beginning of lockdown, there was some bloke on a motorbike around around by my house, right? And taking advantage of the, the sort of deathly quiet roads, zooming around, doing all kinds of stupid speeds. And I was thinking like, yeah, okay, I mean, I'm sure you're having a cracking time. But if you come off your bike, you're going to end up in hospital and you're going to be sucking up resources. And I remember very clearly that sort of le- that level of judgment. Like, you, how could you mm. be so stupid? It's a pandemic. And so I can see how that kind of thinking could transpose to, yeah, as you said, you went to the doctor. Why? Don't you know? Yeah. Don't you know there's a pandemic on? (laughs) And so unless unless you go to the hospital because your arm has fallen off, then I think that some people will, you know, have a hard time, quote unquote, justifying their visit. Yeah, totally. I mean, that, that, that exists anyway, as in people go seek out help for the mental health problems and there are plenty of people who will say mm, all right you know I've, I've had it so many times people report to me like things that have been told them and like someone said they signed up for a personal trainer and went through the medical history and said well i'm on antidepressants and they're right first thing we're going to do get you off those pills is in what way is it your job to do that like, oh, yeah. how, and how are you qualified to make that decision for me like you're a pill well exactly it's like going to the dentist for a, <laughs> going to the dentist for a checkup and coming in on a crutch and the dentist being like ah oh, i see you're on a crutch okay let's get you off that and you're like what no relation here <laughs> yeah. just do your job okay yeah well look but that, that's sort of like helpful as in crutches for the week those are what, <laughs> what well exactly yeah. exactly yeah. So, yeah, so it's, um, you know, th- that exists anyway. And the idea that, you know, we're constantly being told now we must protect the NHS above all things and therefore don't use it is mm. unhelpful. But it's not like one of those, you know, like when the government say, government say oh, we've got, got to save money or say, people say save your money for a rainy day. Like what, at what point is it raining enough? Like well, when people always say, oh, well, it could be worse than this. It could be worse than this. It could be worse than this. It's always like. Unless it's do an Armageddon, there's always going to be a, a potentially worse scenario. Mm. But the health service is there to look after your health. You know, you should at some point say, well, that, that's what it's for. That's why I do pay mm. the taxes for this. So I should use it. And like I say, it's weird that people have to justify that. And you know, I, I don't think they should. But that's still, nonetheless, that's the situation we find ourselves in, I guess. Mm. I mean, just just so we're clear, it's not like I'm suggesting that, you know, you walk into A&E if you've got a paper cut, because, um, I mean, that would just be a stupid use of resources at any time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> we're talking about actual general stability you know, problems. I, <laughs> yes. I think I think maybe the, the message then is that if there is something wrong, it should be addressed. And, you know, if there should be no fear of addressing it. And to trust in the NHS that if you ring and you say, okay, you know, my arm's fallen off, they are the ones that are in the best place to advise what happens next. And if that means going in and seeing somebody and getting treatment, then that's what has to happen. And I think the same thing should apply to mental health as well. 
speak to your doctor or or reach out for help and see what they say they're going to be the ones that are in the best position to suggest coming in or otherwise and um and perhaps put mind at ease about about quote unquote wasting nhs time (laughs) when as you rightly say they're still there and they're doing their jobs yeah totally i think i think one thing you said earlier on was quite pertinent of like this is your experience and things like you, you just hear so many people who go and seek help and it's a negative experience shall we say mm. that you know, they end up with a doctor who isn't particularly sympathetic or doesn't like to deal with this sort of thing or doesn't believe them or it's you no know, has other issues like that i mean you've talked about your you come to various quote-unquote wacky therapists who are <laughs> not oh, yeah. uh, not the best yes exactly <laughs> so you know, it, it, it's not like um i think something one thing i'm wary of is just just to tell people who are experiencing difficulties or just go seek help it's fine and that's you know that's when you fall into the trap of people just just it's not dismissal but it's 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 perilously close to that i think to say seek help it's fine you know and i think i I went over this in the first episode of just tell people that seeking help you know to just just ask for help is a bigger deal than most people think it is like and some of the time uh, i don't think anyone i know does this but you can see people say oh you just got to reach out and talk and not to me, to other people. No, just to, it's almost like thoughts and prayers. And mm. my thoughts and prayers are with you, and therefore I've helped. So you know, go away and leave me alone because I feel better about myself now. And that's that's not really helpful to anyone. No, I mean I completely agree with you. Um, I suppose I should probably clarify what I said then about reaching out and asking for help because obviously I well know that that has its own difficulties <laughs> and challenges. Yeah. But what I'm saying is that reach out and ask for help if you feel able to but don't not do it because of the pandemic that's the yeah there's the thing yeah like i guess that's two separate issues really isn't like you know asking for help is a problem in its own right mm. uh, but don't you know that that's something to be dealt with already don't add pandemic pressure on top of that to say that you can't do it you know just try and try and avoid doing that I mean, it's, it's easy to tell people that it's kind of inevitable that people will feel pressured and um and you know, it's reluctant to do it because of the constant messaging that you know, the NHS is at breaking point and we mustn't stress it any more than it already is uh, stressed. Mm. So, it's, again, I don't know how to get around that, but you know, perhaps a government message campaign, but you know, I don't trust this lot to do right. that and do it effectively. <laughs> yes. so. And they, they work so well already, don't <laughs> <Yes>. they? <laughs> All right, uh. then, Dean. Well, um, again, anyone that's listening, if you've got any questions, let us know, email or tweet us. Um, and if you, especially if you have any thoughts on what we've been talking about today, that would be great. We'd love to hear other people's takes mm. on it as well. Totally. Yeah. So uh, all, all information will be in the outro and uh, we'll see you again next time. Bye. Bye. So here is the outro with the relevant information as promised. If you want to ask us anything mental health related or would like to suggest a topic for Rachel and I to discuss or even just leave feedback or some description, you can contact us via Twitter at BrainyapinPod. You can email us at BrainyapinPodcast at gmail.com or use the form on my site at deanmanette.com. Like with most podcasts, positive reviews and ratings are always helpful. So if you are inclined to leave us such a thing on the podcast provider of your choice, that'd be appreciated. Uh, this podcast was launched to coincide with the publication of my new book, Psychological, uh, Why Your Mental Health Goes Wrong and What You Can Do About It, uh, or some of the subtitle. All about mental health and what's actually happening in our brains when we experience problems with it. Available now at all good book retailers and some of the less salubrious ones too. Not fussy. 
As ever, Bring Up in Battle Damaged is part of the Cosmic Shambles Network. For more curiously entertaining podcasts, live streams and live events, blogs and documentaries, head to CosmicShambles.com. To support the network, particularly during these times, and get access to lots of exclusive content, subscribe at Patreon.com forward slash Cosmic Shambles. See you next time.